Today, uh, we have a guest speaker, Pastor Bill Meyer from Alive Again Alliance Church. Uh, so one of our partner churches, and uh, Bill Meyer is uh, somebody who's been a big influence on me uh, the last few years, another pastor in our district who um, I've gone to for theological questions about different things, and he's just been a, a huge support, a huge encouragement. Uh, he's the father of Rebecca Carlson, uh, who's our kids' director. Uh, he just preached here in the summertime, so he's preaching again, um, and before he comes up, uh, Miss Brina Dornacker is going to uh, do the reading for us. Good morning, everyone. So like Pastor Chris said, if you want to turn to Matthew 13 in your Bibles or your phones, uh, let me just find it real quick. Okay. So the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Do you want me to finish it? Sorry, it's just... Great to see all of you. You guys can sit down unless you would like to stand during my message. I have never had that happen before, so. <laughs> but there's a first time for everything. Okay, so uh, I'm very happy to be here uh, again with you guys. Um, I do kind of consider this church um, a little bit like home because our family is here and Chris is such a good friend of mine. Um, and so I just always have the... I just love the opportunity to speak into our lives uh, together here at, at this church, um, at True Life. And um, so I know that we're in a series, uh, Pastor um, Chris has told me, that is entitled As Told by a Scoundrel, the scoundrel being Matthew, who actually was, um, you know, one of the sinners that Jesus called to his, um, his discipleship and that Jesus ate with, um, amongst other kinds of sinners, um, because that's who Jesus is. And Matthew wrote the book of uh, Matthew to recount his eyewitness experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that the Lord did in order to, um, to teach about the kingdom of God is he told parables. And the parables are ways for us to understand 
through uh, things that we see with our own eyes, through natural things, um, what the kingdom of God is like. Um, but before we, we start, I need to ask a little poll this morning. How many people um, are old enough, like me, to remember a guy by the name of Pat Buchanan? Raise your hand. All right, then, like, what? How many is that, like a third, maybe? Not even? Okay, so um, Pat, Pat Buchanan was a, um, was a Republican politician, and uh, in 1992, he spoke at the Republican National Convention, and he coined the phrase, which I think many of us probably have heard, the phrase is culture war. How many people are familiar with the word culture war? Okay, most of you are familiar with the word culture war. Okay, and uh, so Pat uh, declared that, that people who have a conservative worldview, some of you may consider yourself part of that group, some of you may not, most Christians kind of consider themselves as having a conservative worldview, were at war with a culture that had a very different view, and he called people to join that battle. Many Christians decided to join the battle on Pat's side, believing that if Christians could gain political power and sit in the seats of influence in various cultural institutions, biblical values would hold sway in America. However, in, 19, in 2015, a very well-known seminary professor a professor of systematic theology and apologetics in one of the leading uh, Bible-believing seminaries. By the way, a seminary is a place that trains people to be pastors by um, teaching them Greek and Hebrew and the Bible and all that kind of stuff. Um, a very well-known, influential seminary professor's name was Michael Horton. He made this statement. He said, the culture war has been lost. And he asked the question, now what? So whether or not you accept the premise that we have indeed been in a culture war, it is wise for Christians, is it wise, or, ask, or whether you agree with the idea that it's wise for Christians to join one side of the culture war or another side, whether that was a good strategy or not, this is certainly up to debate, but it's obvious to most followers of Jesus that the world seems to be growing darker. That forces that would keep the witness of the church from having a voice have gained power, and that it is harder and harder to live as a Christian and to witness to our Christian faith. How many people would agree that, that, that you're finding that a difficult thing in your life? Most of us would agree with that. It's interesting, I saw this morning uh, one of our technicians back there has a, uh, has a shirt that says, protect free speech. Well, the reason he, uh, a person would wear a shirt like that is because of this sense that some of the things that we have taken for granted are under threat. So... So whether or not you agree with that or not, we need to join with Professor Horton in asking this now what question. If it is true that the world is growing darker, if it is true 
that it's getting more difficult to live as a Christian in this world. Now what? For many believers, the solution is to leave the world systems, to retreat, and to adopt what is called a fortress mentality. A fortress mentality. A fortress is a place that makes you feel safe. A fortress is a place that makes you feel secure. A fortress is a great place to retreat and to wallow in the despair of defeat. I mean, if we're defeated, at least we can run to a safe place and we can lick our wounds together, right? A fortress enables you to keep the bad guys out. And if the enemy attacks, the walls of the fortress, of course, provide a great vantage point for shooting our arrows to take down the enemy. So here's what I believe. I, I, I may be teaching you something radical today. I don't know. I might not get invited back after this, Chris. I believe that it is the impulse of religion to live this way. Not necessarily Christian religion, all religion. You know, in all religions, the super holy people live in monasteries or practice some kind of monasticism. Whether it's uh, Christianity and, uh, you know, the Benedictine monks of the, of the medieval period, or it's Buddhism, or, is it, or, or even um, Islam, where they have a group of people called the Sufis that spend their entire life rotating in circles to try to connect with the divine. It is the impulse of religion to live in a fortress because it's safe and it is secure. But I propose to you this morning that this solution is antithetical to the missionary impulse of Father God, who ultimately demonstrated in Jesus taking on human body and moving into the neighborhood that he was not about retreat. And Jesus, in his life, taught us parables many of which were to teach us another way to live in this world. The scripture that we read this morning, Jesus uses parables in particular to teach us how to live in a world that is hostile to the kingdom of God. How to live in a world that is hostile to the kingdom of God. And my proposition is that he is not advocating retreat into fortresses. And uh, so I just want to look through this um, section of Scripture with you a little bit, section by section, and point out the points that Jesus makes. And the first thing that Jesus says in this parable, the first point that he makes is he says, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by what you see around you. Listen to what he says in verse 24. He said, Jesus told another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, and while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the wheat also appeared. It is Satan's scheme to destroy the kingdom of God by fooling us about who are the wheat and who are the weeds and what 
should we do about it? In fact, what's very interesting about this passage of Scripture is that when the Lord uses the phrase weeds, he uses a particular word for re- weed. It is the word darnel, and we have a picture of darnel weed uh, compared to the wheat weeds, and you can see how easy it would be to be fooled by what's the wheat and what is the, the bad stuff. What's the darnel, darnel seed? And in fact, uh, the name for this in some cultures is, is, translates as false wheat. It bears very close resemblance to the wheat. The thing that's crazy about this darnel weed is that it's not separated from the wheat at some point. It's actually poisonous. You could die from eating too much of this stuff. But the similarity between the two points, plants is so great that, um, that it's hard to distinguish what is what, what's true and what is false. And this is one of the things that the enemy does, is he comes as the kingdom of God is growing. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, let me tell you what we're talking about. This right here, this church, this community of believers is one of the outposts of the kingdom of God. So we are the kingdom of God. He's talking about us. It's easy for us to live our lives as disciples of Jesus and to get fooled into this idea of trying to figure out who's in and who's out and spending our energies on that so we get um, distracted from the real work of the kingdom. Satan's scheme is to destroy the the kingdom's harvest by sowing these seeds amongst us. Uh, Another point that he makes uh, related to the same verse is this. (coughs) He says that this is not true just in the church, but it is also true that Satan wants to destroy everything in our culture, in human culture, that brings glory to God. And we know this because in the interpretation of the parable that Jesus gives a little bit later on, we didn't read that interpretation, Jesus says, the field is the world. So he's not just talking about the church. He's talking about our need to be an influence in the global world, the global culture, and that as Christians, sometimes we can make bad mistakes as to what is false and what is true. And sometimes, if we're trying to pick sides, we may even pick the wrong side. The field is the world. And uh, so don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. And, uh, and one of the things that, is, that, that this implies is that there are people and practices and movements that look good, that look like they are the real thing, that look like they are the real wheat, that look very close to the authentic kingdom of God. And we can easily be deceived by them. So the first point that Jesus makes is he says, don't be fooled. The second point that Jesus makes is he says that what's really important is not only not to be fooled, but to preserve the harvest. To preserve the harvest. Uh, He says in verse 28 of this, this, we read these words. I skipped over verse 27. Um, That's okay. It says, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? And so the Lord is telling us uh, this. He's telling us that the source of this deception is the enemy. The enemy is who? The enemy is is the devil. 
And uh, he tells us, uh, and, and he, he knows what our temptation is. I need to get my water from over there, if I may. Thank you. Thanks. Um, he knows what our temptation is. Our temptation is to think that to be holy, Bible-oriented, godly people, to be on God's team, to do God's work is to separate and to judge. You see, the, the farmer's instinct was to say, I'm going to pull up. I'm going to pull up the bad stuff. I'm going to pull up the bad stuff. I'm going to pull up the bad stuff. But the Lord says, don't do that. He says, realize that this is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to pull up. The enemy wants you to separate. The enemy wants you to judge. And in so doing, we risk sometimes keeping the false and uprooting what is true. He says in verse 29, he says, don't do this. Don't pull up the weeds because in doing so, while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the, weed, the wheat with the weeds. As I was preaching this message this week, preparing this message this week, I didn't preach it. Um, as I was preparing this message this week, I was thinking about a phenomenon that we have in this world today. Uh, it is called the growth, we, religious people call it the growth of the nons. Okay, it's the idea that the fastest growing religious identity in our country today are people who say nothing, non. I am not religious, I don't belong to any religious community, uh, I may be some kind of a believer, but I'm not sure what I am, uh, so I don't classify myself in any particular movement. And the thing that's very scary about this, as an old guy like myself, is that this is especially true. The younger the generations get, the larger this group rep represents. Now, um, because I, God has kind of given me a church planters and a missionary's heart, and I always am kind of thinking about what God is doing and what God is doing, what's new, I, I joined a group on Reddit called Exvangelicals. Exvangelicals is the name of the group. Now, uh, Pastor Chris, I would counsel some folk in here, you know, that you might want to screen who should go on that group. I'm not recommending you go on that group. It can be quite toxic often. But what is really, really interesting is Exvangelicals is made up of people who, I guess, presented themselves as wheat, and because of the church's effort to pull out the weeds... The wheat, these folk who were wheat got plucked out, got uprooted in some way. They got uprooted because of cognitive dissonance. Their lifestyle began to not match what they were taught in their community. Uh, or, but, but what is really often true is that often these individuals recount, and it's very poignant to read people's stories of how they walked away from their faith. Uh, some of them walked away because of stories of hurt. Some of them walked away because of feelings of judgment. Some of them walked away because, let's be honest, brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes we Christians, we're just mean. Can I get an amen to that? So 
So we are to preserve the harvest. We're not to be fooled. But Jesus goes on further and says, if this, all these things are true, what do we do? What do we do? And he says this. He says, be patient, trust in God's protection. Verse 24 says, let growth grow together until the harvest. And that, until that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. There's a couple of very important implications in this, which is kind of like the climax of the story. Okay? The first is that as Christians, the theology of the kingdom is this, is that we should know that until the end of the age, God is going to allow evil and good to grow side by side. My uh, belief about what we should expect in, in the years, the decades, maybe the centuries to come before Jesus returns is that the light is, should get lighter. We as Christians should get lighter. We should get more firm in our faith. We should get more distinctive in terms of our witness. But also, the darkness is going to get darker. There's going to be good and there's going to be evil that is growing to grow side by side. He says, let both grow together until the end of the age. And, and we see here, we see God's patience in this action. Because God wants to give his kingdom people time to grow. He says, let them grow. Let the wheat continue to grow, even amongst the weeds, so that the wheat is preserved. And then... As we grow, we should allow the truth of whose child we are to be revealed. So as we grow, you know, the interesting thing about these, these wheats and these weeds is that when they're little grass sprouts, you can't tell what's what. When they get a little higher, you can't tell what's what. But eventually the fruit appears and you know. You know what is what. And so we are to allow the truth of whose child we are to be revealed. As both the wheat and the weeds mature, becomes clear which is which. He says this, he says, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. In order to know what are weeds, in order to know what is wheat, we need to allow both to grow. And we need to ask God to give us this sense of discernment to really know what's going on. Now here's the, the hard part for us, brothers and sisters, is that the implication of this, what this means for us, is that in the meantime, we as Christians, if we're going to really live this way, need to embrace the discomfort of living among the weeds. If we really are going to be a witness for Christ, we may find ourselves in places that are pretty weedy. I, I'm asking the Lord whether I should tell you this story or not. What do you think, Chris? Should I go for it? You trust me? Okay. So I, I grew up um, down the shore, was a fan of Bruce Springsteen thousands of years ago. Still am today. Um, you spent my childhood cruising the circuit in Asbury Park, going to the clubs in Asbury Park. And in my retirement, I still like to do that. I still like to hear music. I go to... I go to shows, and of course, many of you know the famous place called the Stone Pony. Um, 
excuse me. So I heard that there was going to be a concert that was labeled The Sound of Asbury Park, and it was a bunch of old guys. And so I've had the chance of going to a lot of shows um, in Asbury Park, and, and Bruce Springsteen or some other famous person will show up unannounced often. So I thought, oh, wow, this would be a great place for Bruce to show up. So I went there thinking that that was going to be the case. Uh, so I show up, and there's an old guy sitting at a piano, and there are some old timers there that I know from bands from days gone by. And uh, the guy says, he said, we're going to start our show this evening by inviting up one of the great spoken artists of LA to bring us just some remarks before we begin. And this lady, she had to be about 80 years old, gets up on the mic at the Stone Pony and delivers one of the most profound fire and brimstone prayers that I have ever heard pray. Prophetic, like right there in the middle of all these people who were there to hear music and to drink some beer, frankly, that's what they were there for. And it was amazing to hear the response. You heard throughout the crowd shouts of amen to what she was praying. You never know where the weeds are. You never know where the seeds are. But here's the truth. If you're not comfortable being amongst the weeds, you'll never know where the wheat really is. You'll never have the chance to sow the seed where it can really grow. And there's, there's wheat growing in all kinds of places that are unexpected. That's the message of this parable. The last point that Jesus makes there is he says, all will be well. I know that I'm going over time, Chris. I can see that. You shouldn't have told me that. I should keep going. In the end, God will set everything right. Those who need to be judged will be judged. Those who need to be punished will be punished. He says this. He says, the Son of Man will send out angels and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This passage of scripture is telling us very clearly, it's not our, judge to, it's not our job to sort it out. It's God's job. Do, can we trust him? Do we trust him enough to not retreat into our fortresses, but to know that we go with his protection into the places that he calls us to go, to be a witness and to shine as a light? So I'm drawing to a conclusion here. What is our part? What is our part? Well, the Lord tells in the middle of this whole narrative some two more parables which were read for us very briefly i'm just going to read them again for us to jog our memory it says uh here it says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field though it is the smallest of all seeds when it grows it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches he told them still another parable the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And I think that these parables tell us kind of what our response should be. The first thing that, the first way in which we should respond 
is we as Christians need to have a bigger vision. We need to have a bigger vision. The vision is that the kingdom of God is established and planted, and regardless of the attempts of the enemy, it is going to grow. You know, I know that it's easy to be discouraged here in the United States. It does feel like we are kind of in a post-Christian culture. In fact, I hear people talk about that all, all the time. But the nature of the kingdom, and that's the second part, we need to understand the nature of the kingdom in order to have a bigger vision. The nature of the kingdom is that it cannot be stopped. The kingdom of God, the growth of the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Mustard seeds and yeast is invasive. Once the mustard seed takes root, it's going to grow. It's going to be established in that garden. And here is the truth, that the God-glorifying, Christ-magnifying kingdom of God and the works that follow that kingdom have spread throughout the world since Jesus went to heaven and continue to be threat spread. Sometimes when we look around us in our culture, it's, it's hard to see that. But if you go to many places where the missionary endeavor is moving forward aggressively, you'll see all kinds of aspects of the kingdom, such as, and you may not think that this is kingdom work, but it is, the establishment of health care and relief and cleaning up after hurricanes and all these different things. These are all aspects of the kingdom of God that are going forward. And there's places in the world in which the church of Jesus Christ is growing exponentially, even though we are, share, we are experiencing difficulty in this world, in this day, so we should not be discouraged. We should have a bigger vision. We need to understand the nature of the kingdom, that it can't be stopped, that it is invasive, that it is going to do its work, and then we need to look for where the kingdom of God is growing. See the fertile fields in which the kingdom is growing. You know, you know what I was very excited to hear about? I'm excited about you guys doing this ESL program. Many, many years ago in our little church up in North Jersey, we started an ESL program, and it grew into a church. Uh, it's very natural. That's the kingdom of God growing. And, uh, you know, it may be difficult work that we are doing amongst us, you know, comfortable, middle-class, majority Christians, right? But in newly arriving people, it's fertile field. It's fertile field. It's great, ripe opportunity for the kingdom of God to, growing, to grow. There are people in places that are much more reachable than our kind of oversaturated, comfortable, middle-class Christianity that we are experiencing. Not to get too judgmental. Sorry, brothers and sisters. And finally, we need to trust God with the big picture. We need to realize that God is not finished. He is still at work. His kingdom is still expanding. Despite what we see, trust what God says. Because the message of these, these parables, each of them, is that in the end, God wins. And the kingdom overcomes. And the kingdom becomes what God wants it to be. Let's pray together. Then I'm going to ask Chris to come on up and wind us up, wind us down.
Lord, take my words, and uh, Lord, if there's a, a life, a person in this room that needs to be challenged to get out of their comfort zone, to not be so happy to just be living amongst the wheat and needs to get out there and get amongst the weeds to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, would you do that for each one of us, Lord? Give us eyes to see. And as Jesus says, give us ears to hear and let us hear.